feisty, fearless, and fair, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Tonight on the Rita Cosby Show, the results have just come in with a number of networks projecting that Democrat Katie Hobbs has won the coveted Arizona governorship over Carrie Lake. Uh, This was a hotly contested contest, as we know, and a very important seat for many in the GOP. Many were hoping that Carrie Lake could possibly pull it out. It looked very, very close. In fact, earlier today, with some results from Maricopa County, which is the big county there in Arizona, they were not in yet. Uh, Katie Hobbs had 50.5% of the vote, and Carrie Lake had 495 And it's been back and forth. Like at certain points, Carrie Lake in the last few days was up. Then Katie Hobbs was up, and now a number of networks are projecting with some new totals that just came in uh, that Katie Hobbs, the Democrat, who is the Secretary of State there, also in Arizona. And in fact, Carrie Lake said she should recuse herself, that Katie Hobbs should be recusing herself with a lot of these questions about the delay in elections in Arizona. Why does it take so long? Why does it take you know, now about a week or so to even get results in a governor's race. And, of course, we know that the Senate race there was only called a few days ago, too. So why does it take so long in Arizona? Well, Carrie Lake was saying that Katie Hobbs should be recusing herself from any questions about the election. On Election Day, they had problems with their tabulators. They had long lines. There's a lot of issues, and we have not heard from Carrie Lake as this literally just came down in the last few minutes. Again, Democrat Katie Hobbs, according to a number of networks, uh, projected to defeat uh, MAGA favorite Carrie Lake in a very high-stakes race for governor in Arizona. Well, all eyes are going to be on President Trump tomorrow because he has said he has a big, big announcement, and His daughter-in-law, Lara Trump, came out over the weekend and said, you know what, nobody should think about joining my father in the race for the GOP ticket. She basically said, Ron DeSantis, yeah, I know you had a great night in Florida on the midterms. He definitely won handily re-election there for governor in Florida. But she said he should wait this one out. Take a listen. I can tell you those primaries get very messy and very raw. We've experienced that before. Um, So wouldn't it be nicer for him? And I think he knows this to wait until 2028. So do you think tomorrow that President Trump is indeed going to announce that he is running for president again? Well, I was at an event last night with him. So I'm talked to him a little bit, too, as well. And my gut tells me he is going to throw his name in the ring. He didn't say that, but he clearly was hinting that even publicly to the crowd because he got a big, big award from the Zionist Organization of America. It was a big, big gala that took place, and it was at Chelsea Piers. Mort Klein, who's the head of ZOA, did a fantastic job. It was just a really, really inspiring night about fighting for freedom, standing up with Israel, um, I've emceed the event in the past, and I've always had a great time. And there were a lot of people at the gala, including our guest who's going to be joining us in a minute. And that is former ambassador and former congressman Pete Huckstra, 
it was definitely sort of a star-filled night. And the president, the former president, got a lot of applause at the gala, including when he said this line, because he said, I will defend Israel. And he said he is really upset when he sees a number of members of Congress bad-mouthing one of our greatest allies. Take a listen to what he said last night at the gala in New York City. They need more support. There's people in Congress that hate Israel. And nobody thought when I was growing up, and really is probably close as even 10 years, but certainly 15 years ago in Congress, I think Israel was, uh, couldn't touch Israel. You couldn't say a bad thing about it. And today, what they're saying, you mentioned, uh, you mentioned AOC plus three. So AOC plus a lot more than three, unfortunately. Started off with three, now it's a lot more than three. We have to stop that. Israel's too important, too vital. And then he also said, listen, remember the Abraham Accords? Remember all the big achievements I had for Israel? And he said, you know what? You can always count on me, Israel. Take a listen. As president, I was proud to be the best friend. This has been stated by many, so I'm just repeating it. And many people have said that he was Israel's best friend, and you could tell uh, he clearly still has a love affair with the country of Israel and appreciates defending countries, defending borders, defending freedom. And joining us now was someone who was also at the gala with me, with President Trump, uh, former ambassador, also former congressman, Pete Huckstra. Pete, so great to have you here on the show and uh, first, I got to get your take. Um, by the way, I thought it was a beautiful gala last night, and I thought really inspiring. Uh, it was a great gala, and we saw Donald Trump at his best because what Donald Trump was talking about was the MAGA agenda. No, just not saying MAGA, but saying, hey, here's what it means. We stand with our friends, we stand with our allies, and we move the ball forward. You know, I promised I was going to move the capital to Jerusalem. I did it. I held the Palestinian authorities accountable for the, you know, the murders that they create in Israel, and I stopped funding them. I recognized Israel's sovereignty over the Golan Heights. We did the Abraham Accords. We held Iran accountable. We, you know, we, we cut off the bad deal with Iran, and it's like, wow, then you remember the great things that Donald Trump did as president. You know, and also he was very much, as you could see, speaking extemporaneously, um, you know, very fluidly, uh, very passionately, too. Um, You know, when I was listening to him and I was thinking, gosh, what a contrast in delivery from our current president, Pete. It really is uh, amazing to, uh, you know, uh, he had, you know, I saw the book. I was sitting across from him at dinner for a few minutes and, you know, he's studying the materials that he has written for him, but we've seen this vintage Donald Trump for uh, for six years, right? Uh, he'll read a little bit off the script, uh, and then he will go off script, uh, and uh, he injects some humor, he injects substance, uh, and br- really brings more life and energy to the speech. Yeah, no question about it. He also was very well received um, by the group there. Of course, the Zionist Organization of America, uh, led by a great Mort Klein and so many folks there. I thought um, he just was also incredibly well received. You could see that there was a rousing applause, many standing ovations, Pete. Um, how do you think he leaves that moment 
because, of course, everyone's wondering what's going to happen tomorrow with him. Well, I mean, obviously he has to uh, he has to leave encouraged from what he heard on Sunday night. Uh, but, you know, these folks recognized Donald Trump for the service and the friendship he provided to the state of Israel. The other thing that they recognized is even with all the work that Donald Trump has done, the Jewish community today faces increased anti-Semitism, not only in from Congress, but also across our universities uh, and in our communities around the country. So, you know, they, they recognize that they're at risk and they want someone that will stand with, you know, the really the only democracy in the Middle East. And Donald Trump is doing that, has done it and promises to do it again at the same time that this current administration, you know, keeps trying to bring this Iran deal, uh, you know, back into existence, which would be terrible for the stability of the Middle East. The Biden administration also has done nothing to expand the Abraham Accords. And, you know, President Trump said, you know, if, if I'd been reelected instead of four countries, we'd have eight. And you know what? I believe him. I, you know, he was on a roll uh, and they were going to get it. And that would have really been transformative uh, for the Middle East uh, and for security uh, for the planet, uh, you know, moving forward. Also would have meant we wouldn't have an energy shortage and sky high energy prices like we do today. And everybody, we are talking to former Ambassador Pete Huckstra, also former congressman. He was chair of the House Intel Committee uh, from the great state of Michigan. You know, and Pete, I also just saw such clarity in his voice, to your point, that he was very clear on protecting our American borders, protecting our allies, standing with our allies. Um, There was really such a sense of clarity, such a sense of strength. And I also got the sense from what he was saying, you know, even there at the dais, you and I were lucky enough to be just a few feet away from him. And there was really a sense of he feels he's seeing many things kind of falling apart around the world and saying, gosh, I want to come back in and I want to fix it or finish unfinished business on his part, too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Whether it's the Middle East, uh, whether it's energy, whether it's the borders, uh, whether it's Ukraine and confronting Putin, uh, the president recognizes that, uh, yeah, the Biden administration has gone very much in another direction. We've seen the results of that, uh, you know, in our daily lives uh, with the, the war in Ukraine, you know, the inflation, the energy prices, the crime situation. So, you know, the the president clearly, I think, was positioning himself last night as saying, I've done this. I'm ready to do it again. Uh, and that's going to be my platform. And as long as he stays focused on what he's accomplished and what he's planning to do in the future, uh, you know, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens uh, after tomorrow night. What are your thoughts of where he's going to go tomorrow night? And and I agree with you also, Pete, that I thought he sounded also very presidential last night, too. Um, very much, um, you know, had, had sort of the personality of the Donald uh, Trump, but also uh, the best of that sort of presidential feel of President Trump, the clarity of strength, standing by your allies, condemning those who are against Israel and, and also condemning, um, you know, anti-Semitism. He was very clear. And I sort of thought, gosh, if he could keep that tone, that would also be a great tone for him moving forward, I think. 
um, within his party. And and as he tries to, I believe, probably make another run and announce it tomorrow night. What's your gut on where he's going to go? Oops, Pete, I lost you there. We'll get Pete back. Pete, oops, it dropped off. But my gut is, as you were just hearing, everybody, that I firmly believe um, that he will probably make another run for it. Uh, He certainly sounded very presidential, as we were just talking about with Pete. And his tone was very much one of appreciating this country and standing strong with Israel and standing firm with Israel. And uh, I understand we've got Pete Huckstra back. Um, Pete, I'm sorry, it just dropped off there. You know, what I was saying was that his tone was very much, um, I thought, a very presidential tone, very sort of clear on who our allies were and standing up against those who, um, you know, are throwing anti-Semitism. Um, very, very, um, I just thought a, a great place for him to be. And if he can stay there, I think that that's a powerful place for him to be. What are your thoughts on sort of his tone? And is that the tone you think that he needs to carry forward? And do you believe he will announce tomorrow night, as many, many people suggest? He certainly kept kind of hinting about it last night. Uh, he sure kept hinting about it. But I, I have to say, this is the first time that I've had a radio interview where the FBI or the CIA has cut me off halfway through the interview. So they must, they, they must, they must have you targeted. But, uh, or or getting you, back or maybe they got you, right? <laughs> maybe me, yeah, they've got my number. But, uh, you know, the president's tone last night, I think, was spot on perfect. Uh, I hope that what he does is he has a very similar tone tomorrow. People are hurting across America. They want a serious uh, they want a serious presidential uh, response from Donald Trump as to where he's going to take us in the future. And I think the thing that Republicans want to hear tomorrow night is I'm the president, I'm the former president of the United States, I'm the leader of the Republican Party. And along with Ron DeSantis, along with Governor Yonkin, Governor Kemp, we are going to do everything we can to make sure that Herschel Walker is the 50th Republican senator uh, in the United States uh, Senate. One thousand percent. Do you believe he will also announce, though, a run at the same time, Pete? What's your gut? Uh, my gut says absolutely. Uh, you know, it. Uh, but, you know, the, the, the wonderful thing about this president, he has a great read of the American people uh, and he may surprise us tomorrow. He may say, I, you know, I really wanted to make this announcement. I really wanted to make a major announcement tonight. I'm going to make one that's maybe a little different than what I thought. And that is, I'm not going to make this about me until after the election season is over. And it's over when Herschel Walker wins. uh, And we're going to win that as a team. But no, I think he will announce tomorrow. Yeah, my gut is too. And I also think because he already teed it up, Pete, that he was going to make this announcement um, it's a little awkward to say, OK, well, now I'm going to delay the announcement. I don't see him wanting to delay an announcement, um, but it'll it'll be interesting to see. And I thought the Tony had last night is the Tony just needs to keep carrying forward and, and reciting achievement after achievement after achievement. Um, and there were a lot of them last night to talk yeah. about at the gala. Um, Pete, one of the best parts was when I got a chance to see you there. That made me so happy to see you. And look forward to talking with you again. Thank you for being here on the show. Hey, thank you for having me and uh, look forward to doing this uh, often.
Absolutely. Anytime. What a pleasure to have you here. Uh, the great former ambassador and also former congressman. He was the chair of the House Intel Committee. Pete Huckstra, one of the great guys out there to get his take. And what a privilege to be with him at that gala last night uh, for ZOA. We're going to be talking about this after the break, everybody. What's your reaction? What do you think we're going to hear from President Trump tomorrow night? You just heard Pete's thought. You heard my thought. What do you want to see tomorrow night from President Trump? 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. President Trump's theme song last night. I was at the ZOA Gala where he received a very, very prestigious award. And the crowd loved him, by the way. I mean, huge standing ovations. Um, I saw him and got a chance to talk to him for a few minutes. I've known the president, as I've talked about, for several decades. And it was really interesting. And in fact, one of the last times I was at ZOA, I remember Ron DeSantis got an award. I presented an award to Ron DeSantis. Um, so interesting. And Tom Cotton has been there. They've had a whole bunch of different individuals through the years. Uh, they also had last night, by the way, a uh, an individual who has stood up against the persecution in Iran. Um, so it was a really just inspiring night. And President Trump truly was at his finest. Uh, reciting what he has done for the Jewish population. And there's been many things. Um, he talked about the Abraham Accords, as you just heard from former Ambassador Pete Huckstrom, moving the capital to Jerusalem. A lot of presidents had promised that through the years. Obama, Clinton, many, many others. None of them did it. President Trump said he was going to do it, and he did it. And he said he would have finished relations with Israel, with the rest of the Middle East. He believes that most of them would have gotten on board had he stayed as president and continued for a second term. And that's why I think tomorrow night, I think he's going to announce that he's in, just based on what he said publicly, uh, just listening to the words. And I think if he can stay on the message that he gave last night, which again was just rousing reception and very, very positive, um, I think that he has a very good chance uh, to get the nomination. And listen, he was talking about Biden, saying, look, Biden didn't do this. Biden didn't do that. You can listen right now. Um, and we're going to talk about this later on in the show about China. China. He talks to President Xi and he doesn't bring up COVID today. I'm talking about President Biden. He talks to President Xi and he doesn't bring up, you know, anything about fentanyl in the border. It's like, what did you talk with him about for three hours? You know, that would not have been the case with President Trump. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Al on line five. Al, your thoughts about this? Yeah, hello, Rita. You know, Rita, I think tomorrow night uh, former President Trump will will tell the the American people that he's going to seek the uh, nomination and uh, run for the presidency again in 2024. And I do, too. And do you think that he has a chance to get the nomination and potentially become president again? Uh, yes, I do. Uh, I mean, when he was president for four years, uh, it was, you know, America was doing well uh, besides, the, you know, when the pandemic hit. And uh, he also handled that well as the commander in chief. So I think I think, yes, he has a good chance to win. And I think he is a uh, 
you know, I, I support him. Well, if you could see the reaction he got last night, Al, it was a rousing, rousing applause. Um, his speech, I thought, was really powerful, very positive, but also very strong, very clear. He also said, you know, I don't believe, you know, Russia would have gone into Ukraine if I were president. I think a lot of people agree with that, Democrats and Republicans alike. Um, and there was a sense of, of American greatness again. Boy, that would be nice. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, a powerful story coming from Bavard County, Florida, where a man named Robert Schufelt was caught in the middle of the Indian River, trapped on a sinking sailboat during Hurricane Nicole after choosing to ride out the storm on a boat that he has called home for the past 14 years. He said three anchors were down and they broke loose, and this is how powerful that storm was. This wasn't my first hurricane, but this one took me down. Spotted initially by Cocoa Beach Police, Chief Aviation Pilot John Capola and his partner from the Brevard County Sheriff's Office swooped into action to save Robert after hearing calls for distress over the radio. People sometimes make mistakes and they don't think something is going to happen and be as bad. And then the next thing you know, they get themselves in trouble. While police say that they are normally flying overhead, they took to the water to rescue him as he was clinging to his boat, drowning, battling strong winds, waves and rain to get him. And it took them almost half an hour to get to the shore. What amazing rescue that sounds like that was. He was extremely happy, needless to say, to be off the boat, the officer said. And they said he told us that as soon as he got off the raft, he said, I don't want to go back on that boat ever again. Wow, what a powerful story and dramatic story, too, of the Brevard County law enforcement there, Cocoa Police in Florida, saving that man during the hurricane. And bravo to our great law enforcement for all they do to save lives, sometimes in some incredible situations. Well, we have been talking about President Trump because he may be hours away at this point from making what is supposed to be a major, major announcement. And I think after being with him at this gala, which took place on Sunday night, it was the Zionist Organization of America Gala in New York City, and it was a packed house. President Trump got a rousing standing ovation at the gala. And they loved him at the gala. There is no question. It it is a conservative group. It's a group that is very, very proud of their Jewish heritage and defending the state of Israel. And you could tell that they absolutely felt that President Trump has been an enormous friend to Israel and an enormous defender of freedom. And the response was overwhelming. 
And I think that not only was he planning to even prior to that gala, but I think the gala also buoyed him and and emboldened him, if you will, to say, listen, my group is still very strong. There are still so many people across America who, despite all the mudslinging and everything that this president has taken, and boy, has he just been so many, like the Democrats and some of the GOP have been slinging mud at him. And despite all of that, he is still standing. And he sounded like a fighter. He sounded like someone who was ready to take the fight again because he cares about this country and loves this country. And he also feels that he's seeing America's place in the world diminish. And you could tell that that's a frustration for him. And who more powerful to talk to a Jewish group like the Zionist Organization of America uh, to be talking about the importance of a strong America, the importance of a strong Israel. And he talked about Iran and the fact, you know, that President Biden is looking so anxiously to cut this deal with Iran, to cut this Iran deal again, and at the sake of Israel in so many ways. And it really has Israel on edge and the world on edge. And yet this president seems absolutely determined to go forward with it. And so I think there was a lot of genuine sincerity from what I saw from President Trump. Um, I was just a few feet away from him when he was speaking. And he certainly seemed dedicated to freedom, dedicated to this country, caring deeply about wanting to make a difference, seemed absolutely sincere. He was that sort of same fighter Trump that we have seen in the past. Very clear, very direct, very passionate. Um, very forward-looking also on what he'd like to do, too. Not just what he has done in terms of Israel for this particular speech, but also where he wants to take it, where he wants to see more Abraham Accords happening for the sake of peace in the Middle East, and how he thinks he can really be a bridge builder and also be tough, too, when it needs to happen. And certainly a big difference between the president that we have that in many cases— doesn't show that strength overseas. And you have to wonder, had President Trump been in office, I firmly believe that Russia probably wouldn't have invaded Ukraine. Many people believe that. You look and go right now with this latest conversation that Biden had with President Xi of China, where they spoke for three hours and it sounds like coronavirus and fentanyl in the border never came up. How could that not come up? A million American lives lost due to covid And fentanyl taking 100,000 people or so a year, especially young people, and it doesn't come up? To me, it's shocking. How could we have a president who's not sitting there face-to-face with somebody and bringing it up? And you can bet that if President Trump was on that call and on that meeting, I should say, because it was a face-to-face meeting, you know darn well they would have spoken about it. And so I think America is longing for a little more strength and a lot more clarity. I think a lot more strength in many cases. And maybe President Trump feels he can fill that void and make America great again. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. What are your thoughts? Do you think President Trump will throw his name in? Do you think he's going to be the guy to beat tomorrow? And do you think he will definitely go in the race and try to get rid of DeSantis. You can already see he's been slinging mud at DeSantis. He's been slinging mud at Yunkin, trying to basically say, I think in a very direct way, don't enter this race. This is my race. 
you guys can come down the road at some other point. What are your thoughts, guys? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Uh, let's go to Norman, line five. Norman, your thoughts. Yeah, my thoughts are you went to the official gala today with Trump, but you didn't go to the unofficial Trump rally that we're having tomorrow in front of Trump Tower, 725 Fifth Avenue between 12 noon and 6 p.m. Wear your MAGA cap or whatever else you want to wear. And we're going to be out there, um, my little group of anti-mandate and pro-America people. And uh, we will be waiting for what uh, Donald Trump has to say. So what do you think he's going to say, Norm? I'm, you know, I'm not mm. a I'm not I'm not a psychic, but I really heard somebody who sounded like he wants to run for president again last night. He didn't say it, but it's like every speech that you see him give. And last night's may have been the last one before he makes this announcement. He was inching very close. I mean, he sure sounded like someone who is planning to make this announcement tomorrow night. What are your are your thoughts that he's all in 100%? Oh, I think it's, he's in 100%. Whether he says it tomorrow or not, I'm not certain. So, so now <laughs> I mean, what else? What, I don't now, know. Oh, so I, I, really, else, I really don't else, know. What else will he say He's in 100%. Yeah, and by the way, I don't know that either. I don't know if he's going to say it tomorrow yeah. night. The problem is that he has is because he already said he was going to make an announcement. So if he doesn't mm-hmm. do one now, he's got to make some announcement tomorrow. You don't kind of gather your forces at Mar-a-Lago and make an right. announcement to say, hey, I'm going to make an announcement in three weeks. It's sort of there's got to be some sort of announcement, whether it's running for president or something else that's substantive. Um. I don't care. I mean, I know he's good. I know he's going to go for it eventually, you know, whether he does it tomorrow or whether he does it uh, a couple of weeks from now. Um, I'm looking forward to just meeting with my fellow Trumpites outside on Fifth Avenue and uh, then going to the grill afterwards and having a couple of drinks. I mean, that's basically uh, you'll be you'll be celebrating either way. It sounds like. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Because it's you know, I mean, I think he. Yes, he will be running for president, whether he announces it tomorrow or in two or three weeks. So we're going to get an announcement. I'm not exactly certain what that announcement is, and neither are you and neither is anybody else. But the only person that knows is Donald Trump, and we'll find out tomorrow. Yep, and it's going to be tomorrow night from what I gather, too. Norm, thank you very much. Let's go to Dom, line three. Uh, Dom, your thoughts? Yeah, Rita, I absolutely want to support Trump if he runs. But having said that, I did not listen to his speech you referenced today. I might go back and listen to it. However, I am not thrilled that his daughter-in-law is asking every presidential candidate not to throw their hat in the ring. So bear with me on this. Forgive me, but that sounds a little bit intimidating to me. So after the recent non-red wave, the American voter needs exposure to every potential candidate for president. And... This is a critical juncture for our country in terms of saving our republic from the pandemic of Biden, Kamala, and their many variants, including the very toxic Democron virus. (laughs) (laughs) Dom, you always have some good lines, by the way. You really do. Yeah. So what, what I would like to hear from Trump tomorrow is this. This is my take. So I would say, my fellow Americans, I love this country too much to make this election about me. However, I do want an opportunity to finish the fantastic journey we started, which is to make America great and respected again. 
but I am willing to stand my ground and defend my position and fight for your vote against any candidate that seeks to serve this great country. That's all I'd expect him to say, and he, that's a winner in my books. Yeah, that's a great – actually, I like your approach there because I think um, – and your point is a good one, Dom, about allowing everybody to get in. I can't, I can't say I'm surprised – that he wants to try to clear the field. Any candidate would want to, you know, try to have a clearer path as possible. So I don't blame him for wanting to try to clear the path to make it happen. But I agree with you. Um, it would sound more presidential to, to just kind of allow it to happen and not sort of let things go a certain way and, and not to sort of sling the mud. You know, I mean, I think that there's a lot of um, a lot of people were not happy when he made the comments about DeSantis. A lot of people didn't like when he made the Santas about Glenn Youngkin. On the other hand, it is a strategy and, and it may be an effective strategy. So, you know, you can't blame a candidate for wanting to clear the field and kind of be the uh, last man standing or the only man standing for that case. Um, yep. So, you know, it's, it's a strategy. You can't tell a candidate, hey, don't try to do you give it your best. Right. Yeah, but, but, you know, Rita, just, just one last point. So if Trump takes that approach, I think in my gut I feel that people that might have wanted to vote for DeSantis, that are kind of fence-sitters and say, hey, I'm going between Trump and DeSantis, he can persuade these people to say, I'll tell you what, you know, I, I didn't expect this kind of greatness out of him. I'm going to keep stay with Trump. There's going to be probably a significant percentage that are going to say, "Okay, I was going for vote for DeSantis, but I'll I'll vote for him four years later, like his daughter-in-law was saying." But because of what Trump is saying, the positive message, I'm going to give him another shot because he has already got a record. They probably go with the record, but he has to tone it down. Is my opinion. That's my personal opinion. Yeah, no, and I think a lot of people do feel that way, too. A lot of people feel like they don't want to see the infighting right now. There's something very destructive because the parties are ready, the Democratic parties are ready in such disarray after what turned out to not be a very successful, um, you know, midterm. And we just heard that Carrie Lake just lost her Arizona governorship, according to a number of estimates, saying that Katie Hobbs has pulled that one out. That's a biggie. Um, for the Democrats, they're still waiting, of course, to see what happens with the House. It looks like the Republicans are going to take the House, but that is not locked in just yet. Um, but you're right. I think a lot of people just want to see cohesion. Um, it's a great point, Dom. Thank you very much. And in fact, you know, there are some people who are trying to find somebody to blame. Some people are saying, oh, it's Trump's fault. Um, I disagree because I think a lot of these candidates wouldn't have even made it to the place if they didn't have Trump's backing. DeSantis is for one. I mean, you think about it, DeSantis, you know, back in the last race, not this one, but in the last race for sure, it was Trump's blessing that catapulted him. And also Trump helped Youngkin too to get to places. So I understand where, you know, Trump is feeling, okay, I got you to the dance. Don't you, uh, don't you want to thank the person who invited you to the dance? And then on the other hand, you know, uh, you look at um, J.D. Vance did well. There's a number of candidates that were Trump-backed that did do well. There's some that didn't. But I don't know if it's necessarily Trump's fault. I don't think so. I think that there's a lot of problems. You can look at each race differently, and you can look at the candidate quality. You can look at the fact that Mitch McConnell pulled millions of dollars. You know, how did that happen? He pulls millions of dollars. He pulls $8 million from Blake Masters' race and basically puts it to go for Lisa Murkowski a soft Republican who votes with the Democrats most of the time and puts it into her race so she can try to beat 
stronger Trump candidate, Kelly Chewbacca, in a GOP race. I mean, why would you ever do that? Think about how that, in fact, Blake Masters is livid tonight. He lost, of course, we know the Arizona Senate race. And he hasn't conceded yet. He's still waiting to see the numbers. But he's come out and said, imagine if he gave the $8 million to me. Why was Mitch McConnell trying to bet against another GOP candidate? And in turn, it hurts the Senate race. You can make, there's a lot of finger pointing today. And this is what Senator Rick Scott had to say, basically, that the Democrats vote together. The Republicans have been divided. And whoever is the candidate, they got to come together on. Take a listen. Here's what Mitch McConnell said. When I when I put out my plan, he said, we're not going to have a plan. We're just going to talk about how bad uh, the Democrats are. We can't do that. We've got we to say, what are I, our ideas? And let's fight over those ideas. And let's act like a caucus and win on those ideas. People agree with this. They don't like inflation. They don't like an open border. They don't like $31 trillion worth of debt. And here's a little bit more of Rick Scott basically saying, you know what? The Republicans have to stay focused on the mission. What is our plan? Why? What are we running on? What do we stand for? What are we hell bent to get done? What we, you know, you know, there's no plan to do that. The leadership in the Republican Senate says, we know you cannot have a plan. We're just going to run against how bad the Democrats are. And actually, then they cave into the Democrats. People like clarity and they like people who can solve problems. That's the bottom line. Let's go real quick to David in the Bronx. David, your thoughts. Yes. Good evening, Rita. Um, As you probably know, I don't like Donald Trump. I think he is going to enter the race tomorrow. And the problem with this is that he will stay. He cannot stay on message. He will go back to his election denial and fraudulent election stuff very quickly. And that is an election loser. So I'm glad he's entering. And I hope he runs out all the decent Republican candidates like DeSantis and Youngkin so that he will stand alone and lose again in 2024 like he did in 2020. Now, let me ask you, David, though. Hang on. Um, and do you believe that Biden is going to be the candidate? Because Biden sounds like he's kind of skipping through the tulips lately. He seems uh, very happy after the midterms. Um, Biden is too old to run again. And Trump will be who is four years younger than Biden will be the same age as President Biden if he uh, enters the White House again in 2024. Although, so David, think, David, sorry, uh, David, yeah. politics aside, all right, let me just tell you one thing. I was right next to Trump last night. I was literally, I talked to him for a while. He was literally a few feet away from me. I watched his speech. I watched him all night. There is no way President Biden could have given the speech that Trump gave last night. I mean, I hear what you're saying, that they're both, you know, in an age category, but Donald Trump's age, like his alertness and his acuity, is like 20 years younger than Biden, at least. I mean, he was spry. He was off the cuff. There is no way that Biden could have even given that speech. I'm just talking about it from a performance standpoint. And quite frankly, even listing the achievements he did with Israel was really impressive. And so far, I'm trying to think of Biden's foreign policy experiences, and I'm coming up short. Um, so there's a, there's a big hole there. But I hear you, David, and I always love everybody's calls. 1-800-848-9222. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. about President Trump expected to make a big announcement 
tomorrow. Is he throwing his hat in the ring again? And will that clear the field or is it going to be rough and tumble, guys? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to uh, Rick, line three. Rick, your thoughts about this. Hey, Rita, how you doing? It's Rick TV. I'm your new global warming scam debunker guy, but I'm going to throw my two cents in for tonight. I'd like to see Trump and Tulsi Gabbard for vice, you know, Trump for president, Tulsi for vice president, and Ron DeSantis just sitting away for four years. We'll have him for the future. Oh, okay. I heard you. I dropped off a little bit there, but I heard you. Tulsi be VP under Trump, and then maybe DeSantis comes back in four years. All right, that could that could happen. Who knows? I've heard Tulsi's name thrown around because she also uh, campaigned for a number of GOP candidates uh, in uh, the last few weeks and uh, was out there on the stump for them. So who knows? Also, maybe Nikki Haley, look, uh, Mike Pompeo. There's a lot of names out there. Let's go to BJ. Line five. BJ, your thoughts. Trump's in. He's back. He's bigger, stronger, smarter than ever. Uh, the gamesmanship he's going to inflict on the other people running in the primary are, is going to be epic. Uh, I think we're going to see he and DeSantis on the ticket. I don't mind the gamesmanship because if you can't stand up in debating in the primaries, you can't stand up to China, Iran, Russia, or North Korea. Uh, I think, uh, interestingly enough, I think uh, Tulsi would make an excellent ambassador to India, but uh, she's not uh, a politician. She's a life coach. Uh, lovely, lovely, lovely person, a lot of integrity, but... Uh, uh, I really uh, uh, you're going to see some winners and losers, and there's going to be some people that are going to disappear from the scene, in my opinion. I think uh, Mike Pence will be done because he's thinking of running. I think uh, Nikki Haley will make an amazing showing. And uh, she might think, be VP. Well, By the, you know, BJ, yes. where, where I where I dispute you is I don't see um, DeSantis wanting to be VP. I see him I either. I see him either getting in the ring or waiting it out for four years? Um, it's possible, uh, but uh, I think he's not going to pass it by. Uh, but uh, it, it could, you could be right. You could be very right. I, I could be totally wrong. I think we're going to see the return of the, uh, the great white orca from Cape May, uh, Shamu. Oh, as, uh, uh, Chris Christie. By the way, I do think Chris Christie is going to throw his name in. Chris Christie is a fighter. I, I think I think you're right. I, I like Chris Christie, but 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 uh, I hear I, I knew where you were going, BJ. Thank you. Let's go to Susan real quick. Line three. Susan, your thoughts. Yes, I was also at the dinner last night and uh, I thought Trump was marvelous. I thought he was very measured, very presidential. And personally, I would love I would love it if I woke up tomorrow and he was the president. My fear is that through no fault of his own, through the fault of the Democrats, through the, dolt, through the fault of certain Republicans, they are going to create a lot of dissonance. Well, and see, and, and by the is, way, I, that that's going to bring everybody down. Susan, sorry, we got a hard break. You can stay with us if you want to, Susan, and I'll carry you over to the next hour. We're going to continue more after the break. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And 
This hour on the Rita Cosby Show, we're going to continue your calls, of course, about the big announcement from President Trump tomorrow night. Is he going to be running for president? Sure sounded like it last night when he spoke publicly at a gala that I was at for the Zionist Organization of America in New York City. And I want to get your takes about all of that. I'm going to continue with Susan, who was there also at the gala in just a moment. But first, also coming up later on in this hour, in just about five minutes or so, we're also going to be talking to Rudy Giuliani. And Rudy got some big news uh, that the feds are ending their foreign lobbying investigation against him. No charges filed. And his reaction is, you know what? I knew this all along. This was politics at its worst, and we're going to talk with Rudy about it in just a few minutes. And then also, by the way, later on in this hour, we got an action-packed night. We have Asia expert, the best one out there, Gordon Chang, and he's going to be joining us at 1135. Uh, He's going to be joining us about half hour or so. I'm talking Eastern time, guys. Sorry, about half hour from now. And we are going to be talking about... The meeting with President Biden and President Xi, it was their first face-to-face with President Biden as president. And somehow the origins of coronavirus that killed a million people in America didn't come up. And somehow fentanyl that's crossing our border and killing 100,000 people a year didn't come up. Boy, this guy missed the mark big time, our president, and a very tepid comments about Taiwan afterwards, too, as well. Boy, what a difference a presidency makes. We're going to be talking about that and a lot more, and I can't wait to continue with your calls. 1-800-848-9222. Let's continue with uh, Susan. Uh, Susan, you were at the gala that I was at last night. Uh, We both were there listening to the president live um, what you were going to ask a question and, and you thought you think he is going to run again, right? Yeah, I, I, I feel that he, he's going to run again. And I welcome that. I really do. I my only fear is I, I think that this is a term that's kind of mocked, but I think it's very real. I think this concept of Trump derangement syndrome, that people lose all rational thought, many, many people, both Republicans and Democrats, when they think about Trump, and they lose complete sight of all of his accomplishments, which were extraordinary. Obviously, I was at the dinner, and there was a lot of focus on the Mideast, but across the board. I mean, I think he said, and I agree with him, look, I'm no international scholar, but I don't think that um, we would have had the situation in Ukraine. I don't think that would have happened. And I also don't think we would have had the situation in um, Israel a year ago, May. I think those things would not have happened had Trump been in the White House. People have a very, very short memory, and I am stunned by the lack of gratitude towards this man. I really am. Saying that, how are we going to get around the dissonance coming, obviously, from the Democrats, but also from the Republicans? Is there any way, let's say, that we can have a normal, possibly, primary where it would not become absolutely hateful, but it would be several people would throw their hat in the ring and we would see how it comes out. Uh, But I think when Trump is in the mix, they won't allow it. And um, people will possibly say to Trump, don't run because they don't have the strength that he has to see it through. People don't have that kind of strength. He has extraordinary strength to say, I know they're coming at me from every single side. 
I'm going to see it through. I can take anything. I think a lot of the American people, to their detriment and to their weakness, don't have that capacity. And that scares me. I would love to see him run. If somebody else wants to throw their hat in the ring, fine. He, I, he has my support. I think we owe a tremendous debt of gratitude to the man. You know, you bring up a, a really important point because, and I think, I think at some point, and I don't know who's going to be this person, whether it's a Rick Scott or somebody like that, but I think at some point the Republicans are going to have to have a heart-to-heart within their party because we saw what happened even in the midterms. You could make the case, and I brought up the example, Susan, that here was um, Mitch McConnell spending $8 million against Blake Masters, basically pulling $8 million away from him, thinking, okay, well, he's not going to win. Meanwhile, it turned out to be a very close race. And those last few, you know, few weeks are pivotal. And to have $8 million suddenly pulled from you, and he put it instead in a race in Alaska to go up against the Trump candidate. I mean, how does that make any sense? So I, the reason I bring that up is exactly what you're saying, is that the Republicans seem to be kind of battling each other. And they got to figure out which party do they want to be. Do they want to win or do they want to, like, you know, have five different, like, serfdoms all in and of itself? Because that ain't going to win. And, and the, the Democrats never do that. Yes. The Democrats never publicly right. fight, ever. It's never on display. Um, the quote-unquote squad can be the most horrific. They can represent the most horrific aspects of the Democratic Party. Nobody will say a word. And they, they have a united front. And the Republicans need to do this. And, and we don't. And it's, uh, it's been our downfall. One thousand really percent. But I wonder, Susan, and I don't know if this is true, but I wonder if because the midterms clearly was not the way that the Republicans had hoped. I mean, there's no question. You look at the numbers and you look at the fact that uh, it didn't bode as well. So they have to at some point say to their, themselves, you know, uh, maybe we need a big reality check. Maybe the last go around was a huge reality check for them. And maybe they'll change their strides because clearly what they're doing now just ain't working. That is 1000% for sure. Um, and that's the point. You know, there's no way that they can look at the uh, results and say, hey, that's this is a good thing. They've got to somehow it's got to they've got to come together. They got to figure out what is it going to take to win? Who is it going to take to win? Who can handle these slings and arrows? Just like you said. And clearly Trump uh, hasn't been phased by the slings and arrows. Think about everything he went through right now. I mean, it's shocking. And the fact that he is still standing and still wants to take that fight, as you and I heard all too well last night. I mean, that's an incredible, incredible feat. Um, Susan, thanks so much. Um, Let's go to Sherilyn, who's in Ontario. Sherilyn, your thoughts. Go ahead, Sherilyn. Hi. Hi, Rita. My thoughts are, I don't think that, and I think Trump should go ahead. I mean, I lived in the States for 31 years and never could vote there because I'm Canadian, but uh, I was on the Republican side. Um, I think he's going to, if he runs and he becomes the one running, I think he'll be up against a female a black female, and I think it'll be Michelle Obama, and therefore you'll have President Michelle Obama and President Barack Obama running your country. So I'm sorry, Sherilyn, can you repeat it again? I'm sorry, go ahead. I, I, think, I think that he would be up against the first female in the Democrats and the first black female, because I think they'll run Michelle Obama, and I think therefore you'll have President Michelle Obama and Barack Obama both run in the country. And, you know, the blacks, a lot of them will vote for her. A lot of people love Michelle Obama. 
You know what? That's a great point, Sherilyn. You know what? I think that um, I wouldn't be surprised that she throws mm-hmm. her name in because mm-hmm. she kind of did an interview the other day. Did you see this? The other day she did an interview and they were kind of like dancing around. Um, you know, it was like, oh, would you like to have Biden run? And she was like, well, you know, uh, it was like she wasn't really answering. Mm-hmm. And it made so me. Of, yeah, so I wouldn't Barack be surprised. Obama is keep running the country because I think he's helping to run uh, the guy that's in there now. But I do think and. And look how many people will vote her as a first female. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Very, very good point. Yeah, you never know. Never know. know, And you know, Rita, that Widmer, whatever it is, who won for uh, Michigan, that's a bad move for the states, too, because she's already in a battle before even this primary with Canada over she wants to shut down the gas line between Windsor and the United States. Yeah. The, you know what? Um, I think, by the way, Whitmer, if that's who you're referring to, right? Uh, the right. Yeah, she may be in the race. There, Her name's been bandied about. I've but even heard, is. you know, I've heard uh, Bernie Sanders again. I've heard Elizabeth Warren again. I've heard Kamala Harris again. I've heard Buttigieg. That's the <laughs> other name. The transportation secretary. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, you know, if his name comes up. But, Sherilyn, thank you very much. It's great to get your perspective. Let's go to Eddie. Eddie in Babylon. Eddie, your thoughts about all this? 1,000% my Danish-Polish cousin, I'll tell you. Donald Trump last night in his rally said that we have more work to do. He wants to take care of Israel and Palestine and get that back together because it was taken apart. Also, he said, I will open up the pipelines. I will let them drill. I will let them frack. We will have a great country again. We're going to come together. He he really has everything together. He just got he's just got to be a good boy and a gentleman and stop calling people names. People don't like that. It breaks them up. And I think right but. now, also Ed, too, I think that people are just so worried about uh, the fractious nature of what's happening in the GOP. And I think, um, you know, they saw what a divided GOP did. I think it gave a trickle as opposed to a red wave. Uh, You know, I think it hurt the Republican Party big time. They need to sound cohesive, positive, focused. Uh, People want to be with the winner. They don't want to be with uh, like a family that's bickering. You know, you don't want to invite that family to the dinner table. Right. Well, I was just going to say you want a piece of the kitchen. But maybe the Democrats have the united front because they're just so many of them are liars and thieves. And they make things up. Well, you, you know, know what? Uh, that that wouldn't be the first time we'd hear that in politics, Ed. That's for sure. Liars. That and is we, for we, sure. Uh, as, as Republicans, there are people on the right. We trust people till they prove us wrong. And they, they're always going to prove us that we shouldn't trust them. Right. Well, you got to do the best you can. You still have to get out and vote. I mean, that's the one oh, thing you cannot, you know, I hate when I see people who say, oh, well, I'm frustrated with the process, so I'm not. It's still, you know, the best process that we have, and we right, still have to right. make the best of what we can uh, do with it. That's for sure, Ed. Um, and it's a privilege to vote, and don't deny yourself the privilege. Yeah, absolutely. Ed couldn't say it better. Thanks so much. When we come back, we're going to talk to Rudy Giuliani and get Rudy's take on all of this with Trump. And also, Rudy got some great news that he has been cleared by the feds. They are not pressing charges. They're ending their investigation. I'm glad to hear that. I adore Rudy. We're going to talk about that and much more after the break. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
And President Trump set to make a major announcement tomorrow. Meantime, word coming from the feds that they are ending their foreign lobbying investigation without filing any charges against Rudy Giuliani. Remember, they went into his apartment and to his office, did that search. It was so heavy handed. And now here it is a year later. And guess what? No charges. Well, joining us now is the great former mayor of New York City, Rudy Giuliani. Rudy, so great to have you here on the show, my friend. Uh, It's good to be with you. Uh, You know, I don't know whether to be thankful or in one way, of course, now I'm cleared. And they say there's no they, they didn't even have probable cause. It's not like even being uh, acquitted after a trial where they don't find evidence beyond a reasonable doubt. They couldn't even get to the starting line. But then I say to myself, if they don't have probable cause to indict me, how do they have probable cause to search me? So the what are you thinking? Are you are you thinking what that maybe there's some action you can take? Don right, I am sure, sure. Here, look, think about it, right? So and it didn't start a year ago. It started uh, two and a half years ago. Uh, the, they they went at some point, I don't know exactly when, they went and took my iCloud account, as well as several other of Trump lawyers. And they took it on the day that I began representing him. And that was in March of 2019. So that's when they invaded my uh, privacy, right? As a person. Without telling me, and of course, uh, Apple, which, you know, is a co-conspirator with the federal government in denying us our rights, allowed them to do it without telling me. Uh, So think about that. The government goes and takes your, everything you have in your your, uh, iPhone or iPad or anything else you happen to share with Apple, which is everything, your iPhone, iPad, and whatever else you put there. And they take it and don't tell you. And Apple goes along with it. And they want to say they don't collude with the government to deprive us of our First Amendment rights. I mean, it's ridiculous. Now, beyond that. So what could you do? Yeah, what could you do, Rudy? You Uh, are a great attorney. What are your thoughts? Well, I think I can sue them for violating my constitutional rights. Now, (laughs) I don't know if they got a warrant for that. I've never seen a warrant for that. If they did. How did the probable cause disappear? And remember, when I when I got searched, ra- raided at six o'clock in the morning, I might add, and they raided my law office, not my office, my law office. I had other clients reading. They took everything pertaining to my other clients. They returned it. Doesn't mean they didn't look at it. I'm gonna tr- I'm gonna trust them. You, you think those clients are happy? You don't think I lost an enormous amount of money just based on that? Right. You could you could have a suit just for the I damages. My, I lost, yes. I lost my ability to make a living. Right. Right. They took it away from me and they don't have probable cause to indict me. How do they have probable cause to search me? Unbelievable. Did it change? Did it go away? Was somebody lying to them? I mean, it would have to be if they have any defense at all. And I'm entitled to know who. If, if they were legitimate at all. Somebody told them that I was um, representing foreign interests without filing, like Hunter Biden did about 30 times, by the way. 
uh, and uh, any number of Democrats who have never been indicted, just Republicans. One Democrat got indicted for sure. Uh, but they don't indict Hunter for it, and he made millions doing it. If I, even if I did it, I wasn't making millions. It would have been a mistake. And by the way, Rudy, um, um, also, I remember when all this went down, you and I were talking. You said, hey, listen, by the way, here's this information that I have on Hunter Biden. Oh. And they had no interest in it. Oh, they, yeah, they, absolutely. I mean, they didn't want to touch that, but they couldn't wait the to get agents, everything I, with you. I felt sorry for them, Rita. I really did. The agents who, who raided my apartment were not like, you know, the ones that we see we saw on television for Roger Stone and where they look, I know everybody gets insulted, they look like stormtroopers. But I think we're beyond uh, allusions to Nazism. Biden is acting like a Nazi. He has been, he has criminalized being his political opponent. Uh, And is it an accident that they put it out after the election? You know when the Times, they leaked it to the Times? Five weeks ago. Wow. Wow. I mean, so you, you, you want me to say thank you. No, no, I say uh, I say what Ray Donovan said when he got acquitted. You know, where do I go to get my reputation back? And when are you going to give me the money that you cost me? Is there any doubt in your mind uh, that this was obviously politically motivated? Is there any doubt? Oh. <laughs> Am I as dumb as Biden or demented as Biden? I'd have to be as demented as Biden to think that uh, my this was not politically motivated. Look, I was a U.S. attorney in that office. Uh, they're going to get really angry when I say this. I was the best U.S. attorney they ever had. Tell me who prosecuted more people than me, of more significance. In that office with the FBI, I prosecuted the five families of the mafia. I destroyed them. I prosecuted another 200 mafia members. I threatened with death three times. I prosecuted the damn Sicilian mafia, a thousand of them. I prosecuted terrorists who threatened to slit my throat and put out contracts to slit my throat. The FARC. I, uh, I had I prosecuted uh, the Teamsters Union and took it away from organized crime with 132 members of the Democratic Party demanding my being fired, you know, like they like they do now. And the Teamsters Union, the most crooked union in the United States that Bobby Kennedy went after. The Democrats wanted me thrown out because they wanted their endorsement back from the Republicans because they don't give a damn about this country. I mean, I've been going through this since I was a kid. I know what crooks they are. It's horrible. But Rudy, I know how crooked trying to take my law license away. But to, for you to have it happen is really extraordinary. And Rudy, real quick, before I let you go, I, I just want to make sure we have uh, about 30 seconds left. Um, I'd be remiss not to ask you, what do you think Trump is going to announce tomorrow? Do you think he's definitely going to well, announce know, he's running? I talked about, the, uh, you know, I was pretty sure he was announcing that he's running. And I still think that's probably true. But I have heard from a reliable source, but who knows who's reliable nowadays, that he, he, he is going to not do that. He's going to tease it, and he's going to say that he puts it off until after uh, Georgia. Very which, interesting. Way, which, 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 by the way, you want my advice? He hasn't called and asked for it, but I'll give it. That would be extraordinarily smart to do. Yeah, I think so, too. I think wow, so, that'd too. Be smart. That'd, be, that'd be a very, very smart political move. Absolutely. Rudy, we love you, and I'm glad that you got cleared, and I do hope that you get justice. You deserve it, my friend. It's great to have you with us, Rudy. Yeah, Thank I, you. A lot of other people that are still going through it, Rita. It's like the January 6th thing. I mean, these people are torturing people, and they get away with it. They yep. are acting like Nazis. And he's dressed up like a Chinese communist now. 
Well, completely unfair. Justice needs to be blind and fair to all. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, a powerful story Coming out of New York, I love this, Bill Ghosh, who 80 years ago served with Carlson's Raiders, which was a special operations unit in the Marine Corps during World War II, was the honored guest at the Buffalo Bills home game this past Sunday. And in fact, I've, I've been seeing this video everywhere. It's so beautiful to see 98 years old, North Tonawanda native, Bill Ghosh has lived in western New York his whole life. But despite being a diehard Bills fan for years, the former Marine had never actually attended a game. And boy, did he attend it in big, big fashion. During a break between the Buffalo Bills, sadly, 33-30 to loss to the Minnesota Vikings, the veteran of the Pacific campaign got extremely emotional as his name was announced over the loudspeaker and members of the Bills Mafia cheered and chanted USA in his honor. Nearly three weeks ago, he was flown out to Washington, D.C. with other veterans to visit war monuments around the area and was gifted the Bills tickets that night. He said that he was blown away by the invitation, and you could see it in his eyes, actually, uh, when he was there at the Bills game. He got very, very emotional. His career is really amazing. He joined the Marine Corps In December 1942, a few months after graduating from high school, he spent two years overseas seeing some of the most gruesome combat in World War II in places like Guam and Okinawa, Japan. Fighting tears, Gorch explained that he has killed anywhere from 12 to 20 men during his time fighting with the Carlson's Raider, saying it was something that had to be done, but it sticks with him to this day. And he is also so proud to be an American. How beautiful that he was able to be recognized for his great service and his courageous service during a very, very difficult time in the war. Well, everybody, we are talking, of course, about President Trump, and we're also talking in a moment about President Xi and President Biden. You heard from Rudy. Rudy was like, boy, this current president looks so weak compared to to President Trump. What are your thoughts? We're going to be talking to Gordon Chang in just about a minute to get his take on the powerful meeting that took place today. And what's surprising, you would have thought it would have been, can you imagine if President Trump had met with President Xi, there'd be these big breakthroughs. It would have been, I told him not to go here, not to go into Taiwan. I told him XXX is going to happen. Instead, President Biden was talking about like climate change. I mean, it's like all over the place. What a contrast of leadership. Uh, let's go to Alfred real quick in Yonkers, line three. Alfred, your thoughts. Hi, Rita. Pleasure, pleasure talking to you again. And um, oh, not to not to brag or anything, but my dad was a World War II. My late dad was a World War II Marine. Hey, by the way, a, by the way, you better Okinawa. brag about that because that's something to brag about, Alfred. That's awesome. <laughs> and my brother was a Vietnam Marine. Oh, but, how um, am- you well, you have amazing genes. Amazing genes. Yeah, well, What's your well, reaction? I didn't make it as a Marine. Oh, when I was in the Army. Well, right. God bless you. The U.S. Army saved my father. So thank you very, very much, Alfred. What's your reaction to the sort of different leadership we're seeing from Biden versus Trump? Oh, God. There's, there, what a contrast. 
I mean, all I all I could say is, let's go, Brandon, <laughs> and and I want Donald Trump back, and and I can't believe these people that are just trying to like disparage him and jump ship and. He he was a great president, and, and I want him back. I wish, I wish he'd make a comeback, like Dick Morris. Said, you know, like this Mo- Dick Morris speaks about. Yep, and Dick Morris thinks he is planning to announce. Rudy said maybe he might announce tomorrow that he's going to wait till after Georgia. So we'll see. Um, well, or maybe he's going to announce tomorrow. It'll be really interesting. Alfred, thank you very, very much for the call. Let's go to Eric real quick on line two. Eric, your thoughts real quick about Trump and Biden leadership. Hey, Rita, thanks for taking my call. Um, uh, these people, listen, between between what's happening in Georgia and states still counting and Joe Biden getting more votes than Obama from his basement, um, these cowards are blaming Donald Trump for something. I want to say one thing. And this was my last point, but I'm gonna say it first. Um, we don't. Donald Trump, President Trump, is not a leader. He's a representative. Followers need leaders. He's not going anywhere. They need these cowards. They need to get it through their heads. He is not going anywhere because the, uh, the American people are not going anywhere. And, and that's all I have to say. Well, <laughs> and 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 Eric, I could tell he's ready for a fight. And who else could actually deal with all the slings and arrows thrown at him? I think about, um, you know, no doubt in my mind after seeing him last night at the gala. Um, he is absolutely somebody who loves this country. He's absolutely distressed at the direction of this country and distressed of uh, the GOP and wants to see the GOP rise again and become powerful again and become clear and very much a, a unified team again, too, taking the fight to the Democrats, getting the economy going, getting our borders better, uh, protecting Israel. I mean, there's so many things that you say, gosh, Think about just how different it was under that president versus the current one. There's a lot of issues to go after. And he certainly has a lot that he could, you know, say, look what I did and look what I can do again. And here's what's next, too. Um, and I don't see him going anywhere either, whether he announces it tomorrow night or whether he says, OK, I'm going to do it in uh, a month. Um, either way, it sounds to me uh, like he is going to be all in. 1-800-848-9222. Meantime, we're talking about the different leadership styles between President Trump and President Biden. President Biden has his first face-to-face meeting with President Xi of China. Um, it's the first time that Biden meets with him as Biden as president. And, you know, he said he knows him. Remember, he's talked about knowing him in the past. And even on the campaign trail, he was talking tough, like, oh, I'm going to go after him. He called him a thug. He called China a thug, remember? And yet he has this meeting with him and he comes out and says, well, you know, uh, we talked about climate and there's no real threat, it seems, to Taiwan. And there's nothing in the readout about covid That killed American lives, a million American lives, the origins. You didn't even ask him about the origins of COVID. What are you doing? Or we need answers. We need to get inspectors in. Nothing, it seems. Doesn't talk about fentanyl. I mean, there are so many missed moments here. And this is General Jack Keane's reaction to it all. He just said he was shocked at just the dismal, uh, dismal, lackluster meeting that Biden had. Yeah, the president has said four times in response to questions, would you respond to China attacking Taiwan? And he said he would respond militarily in so many words. And the fact of the matter is, what he just said, all he needed to say 
further is, look, we're not doing anything to break the 1979 agreement. It's not our aggression that's doing anything. We're not changing the table in any way, but you are. And if you do it, then you're going to force us to conduct military actions. The fact that the president has said it, Brett, four times and doesn't repeat it to him face to face makes President Xi walking out of there saying, well, I don't think he's serious. And that is not a good place for America to be. Well, joining us now is the best Asia expert out there. He is the author of The Coming Collapse of China and the Great U.S.-China Tech War. Uh, Gordon Chang's Twitter handle is Gordon G. Chang. And joining us now is Gordon Chang. Gordon, thank you so much for being with us. Well, thank you, Rita. You know, this is shocking. You know, Gordon, he has this meeting. I'm so glad to have you with us, uh, especially at this late hour. Gordon, thank you, because this was such an important meeting. And I can't believe one of the first words out of our president's mouth, he's talking about climate change. I'm thinking I'm worried about World War Three. I'm worried about Taiwan. I'm worried about all these things, especially the way that President Biden was talking tough publicly before and yet he acts like a like a wimp, if you will, when he's face to face with the leader of China. Yes, we should be worried about World War Three because the Chinese looked at the collapse in Afghanistan. It's just a debacle in American foreign policy. And then the failure to deter Vladimir Putin in Ukraine. And the Chinese are thinking, well, they can probably do what they want. You know, if you look at what happened today, um, there are a couple of t- big takeaways. The most important one is the meeting should not have occurred in the first place. And the reason is, as we talk to China, China continues its unacceptable behavior and we do not impose costs. Now, Biden said we're setting up work groups, working groups to discuss issues. Well, that means China's just going to run out the clock. And so that really, I think, was the main failure. But the problem here is just what Xi Jinping thought, as you were talking about. And whatever the president said, our president said about Taiwan, I think that Xi Jinping is looking at the failure in Afghanistan and saying, well, look, you know, the United States has been, you know, warning China about supplying military assistance to Russia. And the Chinese have been doing it. Um, Biden continues to warn them. Biden does not impose any costs on China for doing that. And I think Xi Jinping thinks that uh, the president is not serious on Ukraine and therefore He's probably thinking that Biden's not serious on anything else either. And that's the failure of deterrence that uh, General Keene was talking about. You know, when he, uh, when he came out, um, and in fact, I want to play this. This is cut 16. Um, this is Biden right when he came out of the briefing. And it was like, uh, well, I'm not so worried about Taiwan. I want to get your reaction, Gordon, uh, to what he had to say, because it was so sort of like, uh, no big deal. Take a listen. I absolutely believe there need not be a new Cold War. We, uh, I've met, met many times with Xi Jinping, and we were candid and clear with one another across the board. And I do not think there's any imminent attempt on the part of China to invade Taiwan. And I uh, made it clear that our policy in Taiwan has not changed at all. I mean, he can say that, but China has been very clear that, you know, that they are intent on getting Taiwan. And this president, is he naive? Uh, what, what is going on, Gordon? Yeah, the, the most distressing thing about what uh, Biden said in that clip is that there's no new Cold War. Um, and actually, it's worse than a Cold War. You know, China has this doctrine of unrestricted warfare. 
That's the title of that infamous 1999 book by then two Chinese Air Force colonels. And the thesis of that book is that China should do everything possible to take down the U.S. And, you know, you mentioned COVID-19 and fentanyl. Um, COVID-19, as of this morning, killed 1,074,000 Americans, according to the Johns Hopkins Coronavirus Resource Center. Um, Last year, uh, about 77,000, maybe 78,000 Americans were killed from illegal overdoses, uh, overdoses of illegal fentanyl. So when we look at all of this, and China's behind the fentanyl gangs, uh, and China deliberately spread the coronavirus beyond its borders, and... You know, that's a lot of American dead. So whether you call it a Cold War or whatever, China is assaulting the United States. Its attacks are malicious. They're resulting in the deaths of Americans. And Biden just doesn't seem to really care that much about it. And that is, if I can say one more thing, that is an abrogation of Biden's most important duty, which is to protect the American people from foreign attack. No doubt that is your first priority as the American president. And what did you make of the fact he's talking about climate change? And it didn't sound like he talked about, as you brought up, the coronavirus, fentanyl. Um, The other thing, it doesn't look like he addressed really the Uyghurs. I haven't really seen anything on that. I mean, there are millions of them that are literally in concentration camps. And, you know, this president has made human rights a big issue, but yet, It doesn't sound like he was forceful whatsoever. You would think they'd be highlighting that if he did indeed talk about it, don't you think? Yes. Well, um, the readout it talks about, and and then Biden himself um, at his post-summit press conference talked about human rights. But I would put it in different words. Um, When we talk about the Uyghurs and other Turkic minorities, we're talking beyond human rights violations. This is genocide, uh, as his own secretary of state called it. Uh, Anthony Blinken mentioned that um, and made that declaration, as did um, Blinken's predecessor, Mike Pompeo. Um, these are crimes against humanity. And that calls for a different response than just say, oh, well, human rights violations. You know, I'm glad that the president talks about human rights violations. That's important. But he needs to put it in the perspective of this is like the worst um, crimes that we have seen since the fall of the Third Reich. Yeah, 1,000%. And it doesn't, you know, even what he's saying publicly doesn't give me any confidence that he had any strength in his verbiage behind the scenes. And I think also, take case in point, as you know all too well, Gordon, the response from the Chinese foreign ministry n- had nothing uh, of any substance. So they, it seems like they were very happy with the meeting with President Biden, which isn't a good thing for us. Yeah, well, it certainly isn't. Um, and, you know, you contrasted the styles of President Trump and President Biden. Um, very important thing. This morning started out with Biden meeting Xi Jinping. The optics were horrible. Xi Jinping was standing in the middle of the room and Biden walked across the room to see. Um, and that, in Chinese eyes, was a vassal approaching the Grand Celestial Court of China. Um, and this is this is the way it's going to be presented in China. This is the way the Chinese people are going to look at it. Now, in 2018, when Trump met Kim Jong-un for the first time, the optics were very different. They both started at the opposite ends of a hallway. They met in the center of it. And that's the way that should be done. And I don't know why Biden would ever agree to make himself look like a subordinate to China. 
But that's what Biden did this morning. And the Chinese just picked it up immediately. Yeah, and they ran with it big, big time. Um, Gordon Chang, you are so terrific in your insight on uh, Asia and, of course, China, especially as we're watching it. There are so many concerns right now. Uh, the author of The Coming Collapse of China and the Great U.S. Tech, U.S.-China Tech War. And again, your Twitter handle for everybody is Gordon G. Chang. Gordon, thank you so much for being here. We so appreciate it, Gordon. Well, thank you, Rita, and God bless. Thank you. God bless you, and God bless America, too, with all these crazy things going on. Thank you very, very much. When we come back, everybody, we're going to take your calls. What a different in leadership style between Biden and Trump. And you just heard from Gordon sort of that subservient style that never would have happened with President Trump. Can you imagine? It would be like there'd be nothing like yeah, even when he went to the G20, it was like, oh, 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 Trump's in the room as opposed to uh, who's this guy? You know, who is this guy? And yet he is planning on now basically running again for another four years. And we still have two more with him. And now the word is from the Democratic Party that he feels emboldened. After the wins that he had so far, of course, with the GOP keeping control of the Senate, they don't know what's going to happen with the House. It's unlikely. It looks like it's going to go to the GOP side, uh, rather the Democrats keeping control of the Senate. And so Biden is happy that at least they didn't take a bloodbath on the midterms night and that, again, the Dems still have control of the Senate. They also just got, again, if you're just tuning in, Arizona uh, for the governor's race went to Katie Hobbs, the Democrat there tonight. A number of uh, stations are calling that race the projected winner over Carrie Lake. So the Democrats have had some decent wins and people uh, on the GOP side are scratching their heads and saying, boy, got to get it together. So all eyes on Trump tomorrow night. Will he say he is all in and will turn things around for the GOP? 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show. And we are talking about President Trump making a special announcement at his Florida home of Mar-a-Lago tomorrow. I was just with him last night, and he sure sounds like someone who is planning to run. Will he announce it tomorrow night, or will he maybe delay it and say, hey, I'm going to wait a month to make my announcement? But he's having... People come to Mar-a-Lago, so you would think it's an announcement. You don't kind of say, hey, um, come you know, come here to listen that I'm going to make an announcement in a month. Um, but we'll see. I think he's going to say he's in. 1-800-848-9222. Um, let's go real quick to Jeff. Jeff, your thoughts real quick. Rita, uh, terrific always. Uh, the gala, all the things, the subjects you covered with uh, Trump last night, you got up close and sort of seen him uh, firsthand, and you say he's sharp, alert, and he's on his game. Sharp as a tack. And sharp as a tack. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And Biden, by the way, uh, he's confused every day, every place. He called, He went to Cambodia, as you know, and he called, what did he call Cambodia? Colombia. Yeah. Not once. Yes. Twice. Yes, he twice. did it twice. You're right, Jeff. He was so, he, he couldn't keep his country straight. And the other day, remember, he was confused with Iran, uh, Iraq, and yeah. Ukraine. And the other thing that, you know, he was uh, doing the translator thing with uh, Xi Jinping. And it, so I heard, you know, you read different things, and it says, um, that um, Xi Jinping was losing patience, and Biden learned one phrase uh, for, for him. He learned, 
Wobudong Jongwon, Wobudong Jongwon. And Xi Jinping, he has, where'd you learn how to say that? And he says, I don't understand Chinese. I don't understand Chinese. Oh, <laughs> and that was, that, that's the translation. Oh, you that's know what? The trans, that's the translation. Jeff, the we're in trouble. Of, Jeff, we're stuck yes, with him. Yes, we are in trouble. He's not going to make it. I know. And you know what? You know what's interesting? Uh, given the age difference to Jeff, having seen President Trump, and, and I've seen President Trump many times. I mean, the whole country's seen President Trump, but I've seen him up close many times. And I saw him up close last night, sharp as a tack. Uh, what a difference in, in age, you know. Um, obviously, he is younger than Biden, but Biden's even just the narrow years. He's like 20 years older. I mean, there is no question. There is no way that Biden could have given the speech that Trump gave last night with that energy, that spirit, um, the passion he had for this country, the passion of protecting this country, the passion he gave for protecting Israel. Much of it was extemporaneous, all of it. There was no prompter. He wasn't on a prompter. And he, he didn't mess up on anything. He didn't mix up Colombia with Cambodia. I mean, it's just, it. there was night and day, Sean, night and day. Uh, great talking to you, my friend. Let's go to Denise, uh, line eight. Uh, Denise, your thoughts about all this? Hi, Rita. Whether Trump says tomorrow or down the line that he's going to run, I certainly hope he does. Uh, when you, anyone looks in contrast to the damage that Biden has done to this country from and just a couple of years, and they see what Trump accomplished, domestic and foreign policy. I think that it's not time to jump ship, but to back Trump as unique as he is. He's a force to be reckoned with. There's no doubt about that. He has his uh, different ways to dealing with things, shall we say, nothing traditional, but there's nothing traditional about politics today. That and, and Denise, you hit a great point, because whoever is going to go up against the Democratic Party, as we saw in the midterms, um, they have to have a fighter. The GOP needs a fighter. They need a, they need a Tyson or a Holyfield in the ring. You can't have a wimp in the ring. Uh, politics are not for wimps, and especially this day and age. And Trump has the energy. He's got the fight. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. 